The Keep Birth Wild podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land, sky and waters on which this project is produced, and we pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. We extend this respect to all First Nations people on whose country we live, birth and raise children. We acknowledge the ongoing leadership, resilience and commitment of First Nations people who continue to fight for their right to safe and culturally appropriate experiences of pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and we commit to continuing to explore our own role in that journey. Lastly, we honour and celebrate the ancient birthing knowledge and practices that have existed on this country for thousands of years. May this wisdom continue to nurture life for many generations to come. Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy and through this series I'll be speaking to women who plan to birth their babies at home. Join me to hear home birth mothers sharing their stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. I'd like to start by thanking Tony, Tori and Steffi for signing up as patron members to the podcast. In this episode, Carla shares the stories of her two pregnancies and births. She planned to birth both of her babies at home. However, with her first, her midwife had her transfer to hospital due to failure to progress and she had a vaginal delivery there. Carla had a miscarriage before she went on to conceive her second child. This time around, she again planned a home birth, but she made sure that she found a midwife who was happy to support lots of different variations of normal labour at home. This is a longer episode, about an hour and a half, but I didn't want to cut it down too much because Carla talks a lot about the difference in the level of care that she received between her two midwives, and I think it's really interesting and a valuable insight for anyone planning a home birth. Hi Carla, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Would you like to start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your family and what you've been up to for the last little while? Yeah, sure. Thanks so much, Indy, for having me here. It's um, pretty exciting. I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast and I think it's really great to have a podcast that, yeah, focuses on birth as a, a wild experience. Um, so I am first and foremost a mama of two. I live with my partner, and two children in the lovely community of Bellingen. And since my son was born about 16 months ago, I've just sort of dived into birth work and doula training and um, have started, yeah, working with women and facilitating a pregnancy group in my town. Mm, wow, amazing. Sounds like you're you're pretty busy. <laughs> I'm I'm so busy. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, very happy with everything that I am choosing to do. Yeah. And Ballingen is in New South Wales, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's um the mid north coast, so just inland of Coffs Harbour. Mm. Oh, beautiful. That's such a nice area and amazing climate. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about moving to New South Wales and especially at the moment being in lockdown. Yeah, right. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty extraordinary what Victoria is going through. Mm. 
Yep, it's been pretty rough, but yeah, hopefully we're on the way out of it now and I'm definitely looking forward to that. Mm. Yeah, but um, yeah, we might go back to your first. Um, so we're going to be hearing two birth stories today, but with your first pregnancy, how did how did that pregnancy come about? Did you plan to conceive? Um, no, that was a surprise conception. Um, my partner and I had been together for about a year, but it was very welcome. We had already talked about having kids together and I guess we just thought it would be further down the track, but um, yeah, it just happened and we were like full, full yes to that um, straight away. Mm, Yeah. And you planned a home birth with your first as well. How did you kind of were you already living in Bellingen at that time? I know there's a very strong home birth community there, so maybe, um, yeah, would you like to share about how you came to plan a home birth and, um, yeah, sort of how you found a care provider? Yeah, so I actually wasn't living in Bellingen um, when we had my daughter. We were living in the Northern Rivers, so um, inland of Byron Bay and about... 40 minutes from Lismore and yeah so it was in the hills and um, my partner and I well when we fell pregnant we were living in a shared home and then we decided straight away to find our own dwelling so we found um, a beautiful little shack in the bush um, that just felt really right to be yeah, bringing our child into the world there. And um, I was wanting to have a home birth because a lot of my friends around me at the time were having home births and so um, it just, yeah, I guess it just felt like the right thing to do. I didn't know much about birth, Um Like I feel like it was quite hidden from me most of my life. I never really heard stories from my mother or my aunties or my grandma or anything. So, um, yeah, about maybe two years before I actually fell pregnant, that's when I started to find friends that were um, just a lot of them were home birthers. I was living on an intentional community and so I guess it was kind of it became the normal thing. And um, I also, like, I was born in a traumatic circumstance and my mother only had cesarean, well, booked in cesarean births after me. And I I think because I was already in, like, I'd been in sort of an alternative mindset um, for a few years, I was just sort of wanting to challenge that narrative and sort of dig into those stories and learn about birth as much as I could because I just felt like it probably didn't have to be that way and I definitely wanted something different for myself. So, um, yeah, my partner was on board with home birth straight away so it was just a matter of finding a midwife really and at the time... um, there just wasn't many midwives available, but the one that was available 
Um, her name was Elizabeth. We ended up, um, yeah, uh, engaging her care at about maybe like 16 weeks along. Mm, yeah. Oh, amazing. And how was that first three months of pregnancy for you? Um, it was actually quite quite busy because we were looking for a home and um, I didn't I had mild morning sickness but I don't and I don't remember having much fatigue but yeah I think physically it almost felt like I wasn't pregnant um, and so I was very much overwhelmed by the mystery of it all and I took quite a while to show as well, like for my belly to pop. And so I was like, oh, is this even happening? And, um, yeah, I I guess I also had fears about perhaps the pregnancy going wrong or even losing the baby. Um, and that actually um, was a theme throughout my pregnancy, which was doubting my body's ability to create a healthy baby. I did have a few health problems um, leading up to the pregnancy and, as I said, it was a surprise, so I didn't feel like I was at my maximum state of health, but I kind of was just, I mean, it was happening, so I just had to keep rolling with it and trusting really. Mm, yeah, yeah, I can really relate to that actually and I think when it's your first and you don't kind of show straight away or you don't have... Um, strong symptoms well I, I do, you're just so excited to be pregnant so you want to you yeah. know be able to feel the baby and for people to be able to see <laughs> the baby and um I definitely feel like I'd be so much more relaxed in a, in another pregnancy just you know just enjoy mm -hmm. it for what it is a bit more but yeah that first time yeah. around it's exciting and a little bit scary yeah mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> and um yeah, so how did the rest of your pregnancy progress? Did you have many kind of, did you have any health issues come up at all? Um, I didn't have any health issues actually. It was it was so cruisy physically. Um, yeah, once the morning sickness passed at the end of the first trimester, it, I felt really good and, um, yeah, quite energised and I was, engaged in a lot of creative projects um, during, yeah, that time, um, right up until sort of, yeah, into the third trimester. I worked for myself. Um, I had like a market stall business, so my schedule was pretty cruisy and um, I was also studying uh, Zentai Shiatsu as well, which... Um, felt really nourishing to be engaged in body work and like giving and receiving body work and also the community there's a really strong community at that um training and so yeah mm. sounds sounds lovely <laughs> yeah it was yeah and yeah what were some of the early signs of labor starting that first time around and how many weeks were you um, so I was, oh, sorry, I think probably an important detail to mention is, um, even though like my pregnancy was good physically, I was also, um, going through an experience with my mother who was 
like basically passing away through that time. She was terminally ill and was only given a few months to live. And so that was, it was kind of like a double initiation where I was, yeah, losing my mother and preparing myself to be in this world without her, but also preparing to become a mother myself at the same time. And um, she ended up passing away on the due date I was given, which was the 26th of December. And, um, yeah, I mean, of course it's always going to be hard losing a parent, but it felt, I mean, it, it was a relief that she'd passed because she was in so much pain. But also it was just so auspicious that she passed on the, you know, the celebrated due date and, um yeah, when she passed, I was like, I just sort of lost that drive to go into labour. I was like, oh, I actually just want to sit with this and process this. And um, I had, uh, oh, it was eight days after she passed that um, my contract, uh, yeah, my contractions started. Mm, gosh, that's so huge. <laughs> Do you feel like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sort of mentioned that you were, really kind of had that drive to go into labour earlier? Were you sort of hoping that the baby would be born in time for her to meet it? Yeah, I mean, there was definitely um, some optimism there. I mean, she we were about 400 kilometres away from each other. So, and because I was planning a home birth and quite conscious about having like, you know, a slow sort of sacred time afterwards, um, I didn't. I I didn't even know if she would get to meet the baby. Like I, I wouldn't have wanted to travel in those early days, and she couldn't travel to me. So I just really, I really wasn't holding on to it. Um, and I guess I sensed that my mum and my baby had their own special connection as well it was just a feeling that I couldn't deny and so I sort of was just open to whatever unfolded and trusting that it was all sort of how it was meant to be Mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah Mm, amazing so yeah you went eight eight days past your due date and yeah how did things sort of kick off then um, I think it was, yeah, in the morning my partner and I went for a bushwalk um, in the bush surrounding our property and um, it was in the afternoon um, that I started to feel contractions and by that stage I was ready, like I felt emotionally ready to go into labour and we were very excited and um set up the birth space and let my midwife know and we just started, I guess, um, immersing ourselves in that experience and um, we stayed up like through the night and were in communication with my midwife and she said she would come to us when contractions got to about two minutes apart and at about 12am they did um, and we were sort of 
wanting to see some consistency with that, but then um, they sort of completely dropped off and we both fell asleep and woke up in the morning and I was so confused. Like I hadn't, I couldn't understand why, like I thought I was in labour, like I was doing all of the active birth positions and we had the playlist on and everything in the night and then, yeah, I woke up in the morning and it was like it, nothing was happening. Mm. So frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) How how did that day sort of um, pan out? Did you get to get a bit more rest in? Um, I tried, but it was, you know, it was early January, like full power sun, like peak of summer. And so it was hard to rest. And obviously that things are playing on my mind. And my midwife did try to comfort me. Um, saying like, oh, you know, the baby's just finding its position and, um, you know, the cervix is thinning out and that sort of thing. So I tried to just sort of stay positive and um, not worry too much, even though that was definitely my tendency. But, um, yeah, so I guess it was a slow day, like we ate good food and that sort of thing. And then... um, Again, in the afternoon, a bit later, like maybe 5 p.m., the contractions came back and they were a lot stronger. And so I called the midwife and um, told her what I was feeling. And she lived about an hour away from me, so she said that she was willing to come um, then. And I was really happy about that. I, I guess feeling the difference in intensity in these contractions, I was like, oh, it's, you know, something's that, like maybe this is real labour. And I had a show as well. Um, so, yeah, it definitely felt like this was more the real deal. Yeah. And how did the rest of the evening kind of pan out once you'd arrived? Um, well, yeah, she came and... Um, yeah, I guess she just sort of observed what was happening with me and she also did a uh, vaginal examination and I was um, six centimetres. And so she was, yeah, she was really, like, happy about that. Um, And actually maybe I was, maybe I was four centimetres, yeah, I was four centimetres when she first checked and then after a few hours, um, she checked again and I was six centimetres. And, yeah, the contractions were consistent. Um, I was moving through them really well. Like I I don't think they were really that intense. Like um, I still felt quite mentally switched on um, and I... Yeah, I was moving a lot. Like I was really inspired by the active birth um, philosophy and so, and also I um, practised a lot of yoga. So I was doing, every time a contraction came, I was like on all fours, swirling my hips or doing squats or even lunges. Um, I guess I was really convinced that, for the baby to move down, I needed to be doing open positions. And also um, 
it was playing on my mind that um, my mother's cesareans were put down to the fact that her pelvis was too narrow, which obviously, like, I was wanting to really challenge that. I didn't believe that that was true. But I was like, oh, well, if I've got a pelvis like my mum's, I'm just going to, I'm going to have to work a bit harder. My partner and I were really enjoying the labour. It was full moon and so we were outside a lot and walking around just under the light of the moon, like walking around in the garden and just like, yeah, just so high really with excitement. And um, But, yeah, as the clock ticked by, I was feeling really tired and I sensed it's because I didn't really sleep the night before. So I, although I was, like, bearing the contractions and, like, yeah, just not feeling like it was too painful or anything, I was, yeah, just starting to really tire. And my midwife started to set up the birth space. Like, um, she bought her, you know, like, got her kit out, her medical kit, and, um put the plastic down over the bed, uh, which was funny because I'd never really visioned where I'd actually birth the baby in that space, but she just put it out over the bed and I was like, okay, that's fine. And, um, yeah, and then she checked me again shortly before midnight and I was still only six centimetres and she really wasn't happy with that. I think she was getting tired as well, but, yeah, she um, just seemed a bit, like, disturbed or something. And then I was asking, I was saying, oh, I'm really tired, I I would like to have a rest. And so I started to, like, lie down on the bed in between contractions and she said, oh, if you're needing to rest, then labour mustn't be intense enough and... Then she just made the call to transfer to hospital and um, my partner and I were really shocked and we questioned that and we said, like, oh, well, um, do we have to? Like, it, you know, yeah, we just really weren't expecting that. We thought everything was going well. I mean, like the plastic was out on the bed and everything. And um, But she pretty much packed up her things and put them in her car and she was like, we've got to go now before Carla gets too exhausted and we need to call an ambulance or something drastic. And so we were just like, whoa, okay, like you're going and we're going to have to come with you. Um, can I just ask, was she an experienced midwife? Like do you know how how long she'd been practising as a private midwife and did she have a second midwife that was going to come and be at the birth? I don't know. I think that's a rule now but it may not have been at the time. Yeah, right. So she um, was an experienced independent midwife. She was actually in her 60s and she'd had six babies herself but also had been practising as a midwife her her whole working life so I guess like choosing to go with her was sort of based on her experience yeah interesting yeah. yeah yeah she actually to add to the equation she had recently deregistered and so we were her first 
clients like off the books and so I feel like there was maybe some sort of pressure or fear Mm. there. Yeah, so we lived 40 minutes away from Lismore, um, Lismore Base, the hospital there, and it was surreal. Like I, it, we, my partner and I were in shock that we were actually doing this, like driving to the hospital in the middle of the night. Um, yeah, he, my partner had to quickly pack a hospital bag because we didn't even, we didn't do that, really not wanting to feed that possibility. And um yeah, it felt like he was driving so fast and he was only driving like 40 k's an hour. Our sensors were just so heightened and um, I kept having contractions in the car and that's when they started to get really uncomfortable. I wouldn't say intense, but I just just sitting in a car seat with a seatbelt on, um, yeah, they just started to be, it was just like a nasty feeling. Mm, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes, and was your midwife, did she come to the hospital with you? Was she sort yeah, of comfortable she did. to come? Yeah. yeah, we had, like, um, a little action plan, I guess, where she was just a friend. I couldn't refer to her as a midwife or even a doula. So um, because she was very protective, um, she there would have been consequences if she was um, known to be present at a birth. So, um, yeah, she just came as a friend. Yeah. And once you arrived at hospital, did they did they do another check on you once you arrived? Yeah, they did. And um, my, my dilation was only two centimetres. Wow. That's, wow, that's a twist. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I'm... Looking back on it, I think it's because just of the shock and the fear that set over my body. Like, I guess another reason we didn't want to go to hospital or why we chose a home birth was because we'd started to look into what actually happens in hospital for the majority of births in this country. And we were like, well, we're not putting ourselves through that. So I did get really scared about what was going to happen to me in hospital, but I also was worried that you know, there must have been something wrong if we were, if we had to transfer. Mm. And had your midwife been monitoring, like, the baby's heart rate when you were at home? Yeah. Yeah, and, and everything was, was all, all fine. good. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, once you got to the hospital and you'd been checked, were they happy to allow you to keep on labouring on your own? Yeah, they were actually. Um, I was quite surprised. They... They were so warm to us when we came in and um, they basically said the clock starts now. Like they didn't want to know that I'd already been in on and off labour for like over two days. So we felt really lucky. Um, uh, Yeah, but then I started to just get so tired and I just, I couldn't bear the contractions anymore. I yeah, it was sort everything just became excruciating and my midwife got me to do a few really deep squats and she was squeezing my hips. Um, she was quite convinced that the baby wasn't moving through my pelvis and so she was like, we've got to, we've got to try this and this and um, 
yeah and then I did that and it was just so exhausting like doing these really deep squats and um yeah I think I was checked again after them I think she checked me when there was no staff in the room and um yeah I still like it just wasn't changing yeah so so what happened after that did the doctors um were they wanting to induce you at some point I started asking for pain relief. Like I literally, I just couldn't face the pain anymore and I was, yeah, so scared, like I said. So I asked for pain relief and um, they suggested an epidural and um, we ended up going with that. But also my midwife was requesting that I have a C-section she started like suggesting that to my, my partner and I and the staff and she was she started telling them the story. She's like, Look, um Carla's lost her mother only a week ago. Um she's very exhausted. She's been in labour for a few days, like it just you know, let's just get this baby out. And the staff were like, Well, we don't really have any grounds to go on to do that like the baby's heart rate is fine um and we've got these other paths we can take before it comes to that and so that's sort of why we were so keen for the epidural because we were like oh well let's try that and they told me that I could probably have a rest on the epidural and I was like well that is just the one thing I need right now like I just need to rest and like reset and gather my energy because I was still just in such shock to even be there. Mm. And when you were hearing your midwife sort of trying to push for you to have a cesarean, were you on board with that or did that feel kind of like something that you weren't comfortable with? Um, It was definitely the least desired outcome and it was – something I feared and yeah like I was very informed about the benefits of physiological birth so I was totally aiming for that totally invested in that and yeah when she started suggesting that like I just it just seemed like everything was going down the gurgler like um extremely disappointed but she was putting it in a way of like, oh, Carla, you've done everything you possibly can. Like it's been a really rough ride to get to this point. Like it's not, you know, you're going to have your baby in your arms. And so my partner and I were pretty convinced. And because I never planned to be in the hospital, I didn't know much about epidurals and induction and pain relief. So I was like, oh, I just didn't even think that that stuff worked. So I was like, oh, well, maybe she's right. And it was actually the hospital staff that were standing up to that. Like, so such a paradox, but thank goodness. Because (laughs) my partner and I were just ready to cave. Mm, Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, yeah, it's funny when you kind of plan a home birth, you really have that assumption that, that your care providers, I mean, I know when I did, like my fear was that my my midwives were going, going to be sort of the opposite, like 
um, not wanting me to go to hospital, not wanting me to have interventions after I decided mm. that I did want them. But, yeah, that seems like really quite unusual and um, maybe maybe I don't know about how you felt about it, but a little bit disappointing in retrospect that um, she wasn't being as supportive of having a vaginal birth as you would have liked. Yeah, I think um, like, yeah, over the time of processing it, this was, yeah, five years ago now, I just, I think she actually just bought that story that my mum went through because we discussed that in the pregnancy. She said it was important that I knew my own birth story and that I asked my mum a series of questions to learn about her experience and she was the one that was carrying that the most um, in the birth in the birth of my baby. So, yeah, that's that's interesting, and I, I yeah, I don't want to speculate too much, but possibly to do with her her age as well. Like I think that a lot of women who didn't, I mean, birth became very medicalized a few generations ago, but I think that kind of excuse of, oh, well, your hips are too narrow or you weren't made to give birth or, you you know, your pelvis is too small was quite a generic really across-the-board thing that was used yeah. um, to kind of justify doing caesareans. And I'm not sure whether it seems to be, like especially for in the kind of home birth world just particularly, but pretty, um, I guess, debunked and those sort of things as excuses but yeah I don't know whether maybe because of her age um you know that was something that she grew up with and was just you know Mm. on some level still believed um yeah yeah (laughs) it seems quite unusual to me but yeah yeah it's definitely unusual and to be honest the it is a mystery like I hadn't been able to debrief this story with her so because um, we lost touch soon after we we ended up moving into state and um, she's since retired and I just yeah and also all of this sort of new a new wave of processing this birth happened after my son was born so it's yeah it's it feels a bit too long winded to go back to that experience and really get to the root of it but with her but yeah so anyway um I'll get back to the <laughs> yeah. the, the story yeah. um I yeah I had an epidural at maybe like 2 a.m in the morning and then um all of us had a sleep in the in the birth suite and like it's just in that room and at 7 a.m we woke up and um things hadn't really progressed but the an obstetrician came in to sort of consult with me and um yeah she just told me that she was going to do an induction with the syntocin and also break my waters and um and I was still pretty tired and like just wrecked Um, on all levels and she gave me a pep talk and said look I know what you're wanting you are at home planning a home birth or natural like you're going to have a vaginal birth we're going to do these things we're going to get things going and you're going to push your baby out and she my partner and I were just looking at each other we were like what does this even happen in hospital like 
we just couldn't believe it. She was just so, yeah, just so all for it. And, um, yeah, the antithesis of everything we'd ever heard. And, yeah, so we believed her and I um, said yes to those interventions of, and, um, yeah, my partner took a break and went outside and he called, made a few phone calls to some friends to sort of get some support. But he also called my friend um, Jamie to come in. She'd actually come to stay nearby to look after us after the birth and she'd had three babies at home herself. And it's funny that she wasn't there at the start. Like it's something that I regret not having that sort of doula role, I guess. Um, but anyway, she came in and she gave us food and hugs and drinks and um, she then she sat in the corner of the room and meditated um, and I was just so struck by, like, her presence and her focus and she came out of her meditation and she said to me, like, Carla, you need to get back into the intensity, like you've had a rest, um, birth is intense, like let's let's get this pain relief turned down. And I was like, whoa, I just don't know if I can do it. Like I'm, I was kind of traumatised, I guess, by that pain that I went through during that transfer to hospital. Um, but I, I believed her um, and I felt like, the, the I just had to use all of the possible juice in my tank and so that was our next request and so they turned the epidural down and I started to actually feel the contractions again like only slightly because it's a pretty strong pain relief but um yeah Jamie came over to me and she was just sort of being with me as the contractions moved through and she just guided me through um, breathing and telling me on the out-breath to soften everything. And so just like to breathe out like soft and just like just relax and release every single muscle in my body. And I just, I was like, whoa, this is so different to everything I've tried up until now, like, when I was labouring, I was on my feet, on all fours, like I needed gravity. I needed to be working with the contraction to for my baby to move down and now I'm like flat on my back completely like letting go of everything. But, um, yeah, my my baby started to move down and like I started to dilate and... Um, my partner and I, then she left us and my partner and I had um, some, like, make-out moments and during that I, like, put my hand on my yoni and what I felt was just, like, so surprising. Like, it just did not feel like my yoni at all. It was, like, it was almost like jelly and I was, I just took so much encouragement from that. I was like, oh, my gosh, things have changed down there, like, this is so different to anything I've ever known. And, um, yeah, the midwife came back in at, at midday and checked me and he I had a mate, he was a male midwife, the hospital midwife, which was, um, which was great. And he said that I was 10 centimetres dilated and 
my mid my midwife, my home birth midwife was like, Carla, it's time to start pushing. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> are you serious? But I was still lying on my back at that point. And so, but my partner, like, at that news, he just, like, jumped, like, the highest I've ever seen him jump and did, like, a 360 in the air. He was just, like, so excited because that was, like, we'd made it. You know, it meant that for my for my baby to put the pressure on to dilate, it meant that she'd moved through. And so we were just ecstatic and and just completely re-energised. And, um, yeah, so I, I did some pushing on my back and um, everyone was, like, yeah, I guess checking out down there to see what was happening and they were like, wow, like they kept saying I was doing a really good job. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is actually working, like just not really being able to feel much. But um, I started to sort of get tired and then I was like, I can't I can't push a baby out on my back. So I started to get up on hands and knees and everyone was like, whoa, 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 because I had like the epidural like cord in my back. I had um, a catheter and like just all these cords stuck to me and, so they helped me to sort of navigate that and um, get up on all fours and, yeah, and then maybe like 20 minutes later of more pushing, like, I, yeah, I just pushed her out and mm. she was, so, yeah, she just cried straight away before I even got to see her. I heard her crying and, um, yeah, they just passed her to my chest and then, that was it. She was here and I'd, I'd done it. Like it felt like the, such a marathon, but I, I was so, in such disbelief and just so happy and amazed that I got her birth her through my vagina. <laughs> yeah, wow. It sounds like just a really con- like quite confusing, just so many different people saying different things to you and, yeah, being a first-time mum and kind of not, you know, <laughs> not knowing who to believe in it when you're getting different opinions. It must have been um, so sweet to finally hold her and and to have avoided a cesarean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How were those first few minutes after birth? Did you kind of um, – was your partner able to catch her or um, – no, my, my home birth midwife actually catched her, caught her because she was she was very slippery. <laughs> and so, and um, that last push, like I really, like for the last push to get her body out was quite um, strong. So she came out quite quickly and um, went through a few pairs of hands before my midwife finally caught her. Um, yeah, but I mean... That really didn't really matter too much, but yeah, I just I was just so in awe of her. Like she was so beautiful and plump and healthy, and I was like, oh my gosh, I just proved myself completely wrong because I had so much worry about the healthy baby and the pregnancy, and and also I didn't have any scans, which because I was I guess I was trying to be. In, like tune into my intuition and to trust in my body and 
and I was just like, oh my gosh, she's like, she's perfect. I didn't have any scans. I just never had to worry. So yeah, that really came up. But um, I guess my partner and I, like we processed pretty quickly that I had to face that cesarean option, like fully face it, like to break that pattern in my mother line. And especially because she was a girl, it was like, oh, wow, like, she's never going to have to worry about that now. Like we've basically freed her from that narrative. Mm, yeah. And even in just handing down, handing down birth stories, you know, like, yeah, the way that we're spoken about birth from our mothers to our daughters and all the way down through that kind of maternal line, it's yeah, it's an amazing thing to be that person that breaks the negative kind of fear mongering stories that get handed down and to know that, you know, for future generations things will be different. It's very powerful. Yeah, totally. Like I guess I in my pregnancy and maybe those years leading up to it just being more in that home birth culture that I was more a lot more invested in birth as a person than what like my mother and grandmother ever were so it was all I guess it was always going to be different hmm. for my children yeah and um yeah we might just quickly cover kind of postpartum and then dive into the next story um yeah yeah so what were those kind of early weeks like for you and how did you um establish a kind of breastfeeding relationship fairly quickly um yeah, I guess, like, I had my nipples were damaged quite early on from, like, just not establishing the right latch. So it did lead to some troubles um, for those first six weeks. But I guess I feel like they were mild in comparison to what a lot of other women go through. Like, I was able to keep feeding her and I didn't have to supplement and my milk supply was really good. So... um yeah, and I guess that was, yeah, yeah, pretty good. Like we, it was hard, but we made it through without too much intervening or anything. Um, and I think I was mostly just quite shocked, really, to go from such a tiring birth to then waking up in the night. Like I just had never been that tired before and I couldn't see when I was going to get any rest. <laughs> um, I found it hard to rest during the day. Um, I also didn't really have enough information about postpartum and the importance of rest to really, like, fully surrender into it. Like, I remember I was just started doing things again very early on and we also didn't organise much support. Like, I had my friend Jamie cooking us meals and doing chores for two weeks after. But then once she left I was, and my partner went back to work, I was pretty much on my own in the bush with a baby and very limited facilities. Like we didn't even have a washing machine. And my, I was quite headstrong in my ideals. So I was like, oh, I'm not getting disposable nappies. Like I want to do cloth. But that meant washing pooey nappies for a few hours a day. And we were also really um, keen on elimination communication, which was very messy in those first few days. Like 
I missed poo and it was like a whole blanket that you needed to wash or a whole set of sheets and yeah but I I couldn't prioritize my rest I'd rather I'd rather stick to my values and do all of that work and um I got pretty depleted and very low moods for the months following that and um, took about two years before I actually started to feel right in my pelvis. So it was, um, yeah, pretty traumatic time overall. Mm. Wow, yeah. Did you, I didn't really ask you this during um, the earlier part of the conversation, but did you do any kind of education leading up to the birth? Like did your midwife offer any birthing courses or did you, um, yeah, what, how did you educate yourself about birth? Um, I think it was mostly through reading books, but I did, and I went to some pregnancy groups um, in town, but they weren't necessarily education-based. Like there was bits and pieces um, of it, but it was more like connection with other mamas. Um, yeah, I think I just I felt pretty confident to just do sort of self-learning with reading the books. But actually during my labour I had so much information running through my head because of how much I'd read in the pregnancy. Mm, yeah. And nothing on postpartum. Like I think, you know, postpartum, uh, because it was birth-focused books, postpartum gets like a few pages in there. But yeah, nothing to really prepare me for the the real experience of postpartum or to guide me in my planning or to help me gather the support, like nothing, not even like food. I didn't even know that I should be eating special foods or keeping myself warm or anything like that. Mm, yeah, that sounds so hard and especially... <laughs> you know spending so much time on your own and being a little bit isolated you know even a mm. short drive from town can feel so isolating if you're yeah. alone in postpartum so yeah that sounds really tough mm. yeah and yeah I'm not sure what the age difference is between your children but um at what point did you feel like you were ready to start trying again or or was your next baby another accident as well <laughs> um yeah, well, we were really not sure if we wanted to have another child. Like, I think my partner was also traumatised by that postpartum and just having, just me being so depleted for so long, like, I probably wasn't much fun to even really be around. And, yeah, we found parenting quite hard. Um, like, oh, we just could see the weight of it and could see that, like, it, you know, one child could definitely be enough. But I, you know, we still, I guess, we're open to having a sibling for our daughter. Um, and I finished breastfeeding her at about when she was two and a half. And then I fell pregnant um, a few months later. But that ended in a miscarriage at nine weeks. And Again, that was 
situation that I wasn't prepared for. I didn't know much about miscarriage. I didn't even know anyone that had had a miscarriage. So it was a real shock and I really went into shame and opened up that wound of like doubting my body and my health picture. And so I, um, yeah, definitely wanted to wait for a really long time before I conceived again. And then we, um, yeah, moved to Ballingen like a year later and I fell pregnant straight away accidentally. Um, but, again, it was like uh, coming to Ballingen, we moved into town, so we were around community and we had extended family here. And so we were like, oh, well, like we're in a lot better position now than we have ever been to be having a baby and so yeah it felt really right like again we welcomed the pregnancy and um yeah I was just so happy and excited to be having another baby and um yeah those first 12 weeks were quite scary like I was definitely had that fear of losing the baby again but um, it's funny how the, there's so much emphasis around the 12 weeks and um, as though that's like the safety point. But I literally like once I got to 12 weeks and I went and had a scan and there was a very healthy, active baby in there, I was like, okay, this is happening. Like I didn't have any worries again after that. Mm. Yeah, I mean it kind of almost works in your favour really that you know, even though anything can happen at that point, you know, if you if that makes helps you to relax to have reached that date and be able to, um, you know, start to enjoy and surrender to the pregnancy, then I, I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, how did you find you were planning another home birth? Had you kind of had any? I think you mentioned that you sort of did a lot of the processing of your first birth after the second, but had you? sort of had any thoughts about how you would do things differently for another birth or whether you would just um, sort of try for the same sort of plan? Um, I really wasn't fixated on home birth in those early stages. I, Because obviously like the first experience was a bit disappointing where, you know, we invested so much and then ended up in hospital. And also, yeah, I guess my midwife, her follow-up care wasn't that great in the postnatal, so I was kind of like just didn't feel like I got the value for money. Plus in Bellingen we were quite going through a financial struggle at that time, so I was like, oh, you know, there's no way I can afford a home birth and, yeah, just really reluctant to invest. But, um, yeah, at about nine weeks I connected with, um, a home birth midwife in the area. She, it was funny, My the neighbour that we moved in next to had, had just had a baby, like right when we moved in, and so I saw the midwife constantly visiting her. And then I met the midwife at the local market and we kind of de- developed a friendship and she also ran the pregnancy group in town and so I was seeing her a lot and she kept... Um, I mean, and we had we met up specifically to discuss the option, but I was like, look, I just I don't actually know if I can pay you as much as I want to. Like, I just don't know where this money is going to come from. And 
she was so she's such a generous and trusting woman she kept saying to me that like she's I could take as long as I needed to to pay um, for her service and that she was open to exchange as well and and her care was just so beautiful like so much more than what I'd experienced with the previous midwife I felt really grateful to have that I guess in that time I got to know more about her and and I knew what questions to ask this time the variations of normal that she's experienced and why and when would she transfer to hospital and like all of that but also I just and I just got this sense from her that she really trusts birth and that she has seen so many different variations of normal and and I could also see that her prenatal care was almost like her guarantee that the birth would go well too it was just so in depth I started to yeah, just really start to believe in that way that if I had the right support um, and I was at home in my comfortable space that I could do it. And so I think at about 28 weeks um, I said to my midwife, like, I was like, I'm going to, I want you to be there at the birth and I still don't know how I'm going to pay you but I'm willing to risk, like, everything to to make this happen and I just yeah so there was just no looking back after that and how was that pregnancy did you have um was it sort of similar to your first or did you have anything kind of come up health-wise um no it was really straightforward like the morning sickness and the fatigue in the first 12 weeks was pretty um horrendous um especially because I had like a four-year-old to care for yeah, so that was hard, the hardest part of the pregnancy, but again, right on like that 12-week mark, it all passed, had um, pubis symphysis, which really kicked in at about 25 weeks, so that's where the, the pubic joint is out of alignment, which sends lots of pain down the inner thighs and sort of just gives a feeling of an unstable pelvis. And, yeah, when, when did you start getting some signs of going into labour? Um, well, it was on my due date. Um, yeah, right on 40 weeks, I just went to the toilet after breakfast and I had a show and I was really surprised. Like I wasn't putting any emphasis on my due date and I was certain I'd go overdue like I did with my daughter but, um, yeah, there it was. So I was like, okay, it's going to happen in the next few days. I also had a doula at my birth who was a friend. And, yeah, my midwife, I, like, called her in the morning and just let her know that that I'd had a show. And, and contractions started about an hour after that show. And they um, were just quite mild, like, most of the day. So... I had my daughter with me and my partner was at work, so we um, went into town together and did some last-minute shopping and I remember talking to people and feeling the contractions and I was really not wanting to let anything on because I didn't really know myself how long this was going to go for. 
And I, again, I wanted to remain calm and not get too excited. So I just tried to sort of go about the day and, yeah, we got home and um, set up the birth space and then I, yeah, just had some quiet time with my daughter to try and relax. Yeah, my yeah. partner got home at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He took my daughter to the farmer's market to, like, stock up and I just really used that time to just fully sort of come into myself and and just relax deeply as well. Like I really was um, focused on conserving my energy this time around. You weren't going for the for the active birth position straight away this time. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> around dinner time, it got to the point with the contractions that I couldn't be sitting down anymore. I had to stand up and, like, lean on something and sort of take the weight off my my hips. Um, yeah, so I was just sort of leaning over the table and I was starting to make sounds as well and starting to get a bit irritated about the action happening around me. Like, I really enjoyed the day with my daughter and I was happy that she was you know, getting to witness the process, but at the same time, like, I just couldn't tend to her anymore. Like, my focus was really moving inward. And so, um, yeah, my partner put her to bed and, again, it was such a, yeah, it was such a relief that um, I could just fully focus. And so, And things were starting to get more intense, so I hopped in the bath and that was really lovely. Like I could just sort of melt into the warm water. And um, I called, yeah, my partner called my midwife because at that point I wasn't really functioning and, um, and she was like pretty convinced that she needed to be here. So, yeah, she came and my doula came and they sort of arrived around the same time and I noticed that when I hopped in the bath things really slowed down and I was at the point where I was like, you know, starting to accept that I was in labour and, I mean, my midwife was coming so I was like, okay, well, it's got to happen then. Like I can't have her, again, she lived like half an hour away so I was like I can't have her come here at eight o'clock at night and, you know, and and not even be, like, proper labour. So as soon as I got out of the bath, like, things picked up again and I think the most intense sensation at that point was in my, like, lower back and my hips. Yeah. Yeah, that can be really intense, that that lower back pain, and especially yeah. if babies just kind of turning around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And how did things, um, yeah, what happened when the midwives, when your midwife arrived? Did she do an internal check or were you um, not having them this time? Yeah, so um, it's funny. We actually didn't talk about that much, even though I was pretty sure I didn't want them. But, yeah, she she doesn't do that routinely. Um, I don't even know what situation she would do it in. But, um, yeah, so she didn't check me. She did um, listen to the baby's heartbeat. And, yeah, she kind of just sort of set up her things and then just took a seat on the couch and just sort of stayed there. Um, She was very quiet and 
and it was beautiful. She held a really beautiful presence, but it also, I don't know, I hadn't seen her in that space yet, so I was like, oh, wow, like that's what she's going to do. And, yeah, and my doula was very um, hands-on with me. She was, like, doing warm towels and um, massage and replenishing my drinks and, um yeah, I really loved that because I could, like, my partner had, you know, he'd been going all day, like, been at work and then came home to tend to my daughter and cook dinner and all of that. So he hadn't really stopped. And so I just loved that my doula was taking that weight and he could also sort of sit back and relax. But um, as things got more intense, um, I was needing to find positions to be able to bear the contractions and the best one I found was actually like leaning on him and having him hold like take my weight so that I could really just loosen up in my hips and so yeah he would basically be resting like leaning back in the chair and then when a contraction came I'd like get him to stand up and hold me and I just loved how how he could hold that, like, relaxation at the same time as that, like, strength when I really needed him. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. And it's nice that he got to kind of, I don't know, it's, I think it's always nice when partners get to actually be a bit more a part of the birth rather than just running around doing odd jobs and kind of being the helper. So, yeah, great that you had that doula there, as you said. Yeah, yeah, mm. totally. Um, and then, yeah, I guess things were sort of grad. It felt like things weren't really moving forward, and I started was starting to get tired. Like, I didn't have a clock from the moment that we called my midwife to come to me. I did not look at the clock, and I was very much about that. Like, because the clock and the vaginal examinations had such a big impact on my first birth that I was like, no, nah, I just want to try without those things. So, yeah, but in my head I was still trying to guess how far apart my contractions were and they, I thought they were five minutes and I, apart and I was like, oh, like it's been quite a long time. Like surely they would be getting closer together by now. And, um, yeah, I was trying to just use the mindfulness practices that I have, had learned in my pregnancy to just to not really get caught up in that story and just keep coming back to the present moment, like keep coming back to like, oh, well, I'm here, like, you know, this is happening. I don't know how long it's going to be but, you know, I am in labour and just trying to comfort myself. But I, I did sort of get wigged out at one point and I asked my midwife if she would check me. I was like, look... I want to know that this is actually happening. And she just sort of politely declined. She was like, it's happening. Um, she could just <laughs> tell from the sounds that I was making and the way that I was moving when the contractions came. And I guess their length, like she she just, that's the type of midwife that she is. She doesn't go by like numbers and predictions. Like she just goes by feeling and like observation. And so... I was like, all right, like, I hope I'm not doing this 
in the morning still, like I just <laughs> was, yeah, just starting to tire. And I guess a bit I was afraid of being tired because that was another huge factor in my first birth. Um, but, yeah, so at about 1 a.m., like things were still just, you know, steady. And my daughter, like, but I was making sounds and so she woke up and she actually rolled out of bed, which is something that she never does. We just heard this thud <laughs> on the floor and um, my partner went in to get her and and by that point she was wide awake because she could hear all of the action and she was like, oh, the midwife is here and the doula is here and, <laughs> yeah, so she... Um, yeah, she came into the space and I was, like, so happy to see her um, but also couldn't really, like, engage with her too much. And um, in my next contraction, um, my waters broke and I was like, oh, whoa, like, I was just so relieved and that pressure that was in my back and my hips just left straight away and then all of a sudden it was all like at the front in my uterus um, and then the contractions started to get really close together. Like pretty much from the moment my water broke, it was just on and I was like, oh, my gosh, like I'm not even getting a break and I like crawled like uh, by that point I couldn't even stand up and I – I crawled over to be right next to the fireplace like I was feeling really cold and um, it was winter, it was July. So, yeah, I, I was quite aware that warmth is really important during labour. So I was by the fireplace and, like, by that point I, I didn't have pants on anymore because they got soaked and um, I just was, like, leaning, kneeling and then leaning over the couch, like, on all fours and just sort of trying to catch my breath in those tiny breaks between contractions and and feeling like so tired, like I wanted to lie down. Or oh, actually, that's something worth mentioning. Um, so before my daughter woke up and my waters broke, I had a little rest. I I was feeling tired, and you know it was midnight by then um, when I'd normally be sleeping, and so I. I asked my midwife if I could have a rest. I was like, do you think it would, you know, would it everything stop if I have a rest? Is that okay? And she was like, you know, it would be, it's a really good idea. And so even though it was uncomfortable lying down, I lied down on my side and I was actually able to have a few little micro naps in between contractions. And so it was like, and then, yeah, shortly after getting up, that's when the action started with, my daughter waking up and the water's breaking. So um, that was sort of like another breakthrough for me. It was like, oh, it's actually okay to have a rest in labour like, <laughs> yeah. and relax, you know. Um, that's It can be really purposeful. And, yeah, so just sort of like trying to hold myself up on all fours and just riding through these massive contractions. And the pain was so shocking to me like I had no idea it was going to be that painful that moment of like my bones opening and all of that pressure in in my uterus like those powerful contractions I was like 
what is this? Nobody told me it was going to be this painful. I did not sign up for this. Like there must be something wrong even. Like I was just, yeah, so confused by it. And, um, yeah, it's because even though I, I birthed my daughter vaginally, like I had the epidural to take the edge off, like so or even more than an edge, like to, yeah, really quite numb that experience of giving birth and so I was yeah just quite shocked by the pain and I guess a little bit panicky like I was hyperventilating a little bit and my everyone in the room was just giving me so much encouragement and just kept um, reminding me to focus on my breath and um, yeah I was still like in my head I was like oh my gosh call the ambulance like get me out of this situation like I don't want to do it anymore and I couldn't um I couldn't voice that which was a good thing but I was just yeah um in hell basically and but no one else around me could see that or understand that and they just all they could see was like this birth birthing woman like about to bring her baby into the world and so I was so glad for that positivity like later on I really appreciated it but in the moment I was like no you don't understand this is so like not right it's so hard I can't do it and but yeah I actually couldn't even stop it at that point like the contractions were rolling through so strongly and um and then when I actually felt that stretching sensation of the head, like, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm actually, like, near the end. And as soon as I could see that I was close, I just, like, fully actually surrendered into all of that. And I was like, oh, I'm, I started to welcome it again. Like, I, um, yeah, it was. I don't know, I guess that feeling before of not knowing how long I had to endure this was really scary. But then that point of like, yeah, the head actually stretching, I was like, okay, um, this is happening. And I just started to really calm down and, yeah, sink and, and start to embrace that feeling. And, um, yeah, and the pushing, the pushing was obvious, was happening um spontaneously like I couldn't stop the pushing it was just like this full force taking over me and um so I was just riding that and I think I I only pushed for about 20 minutes and um yeah the head the head um it felt like an effort for the head to come out and then again the body just sort of slid out and um my partner caught caught him which was <laughs> the sex was announced by my daughter we we had kept it a surprise until that point but she was like it's a boy I can see his penis and <laughs> um yeah so and so when I was pushing she was like standing at my head and stroking my hair and saying it's okay mummy and she was just, like, so calm. I, I couldn't believe it because I was screaming like I was being murdered. 
and I was just like, who are you? When she was being so calm, but then she got she went down to the other end um, to watch the head emerge and to watch him be born. And um, yeah, so then my yeah partner sort of I think my partner put him down and told me he was like, "There's a baby." <laughs> 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 I think we were all a bit like shocked, but yeah. So I turned around and. Picked him up and he was, yeah, pretty quick to start. But, um, yeah, very squished because he was 4.2 kilos. So quite wow. Big and, and quite extraordinarily big head too. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. Oh, well done. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And and what were those kind of first few minutes and hours like this time around? Was it, um, yeah, how were you feeling and and how was the placenta delivery? Um, yeah, so, like, I think, again, I was just so relieved to have him in my arms and I, I was still sort of quite shocked at how painful it was. Like, I just, it just took me so much by surprise, I think, I was secretly hoping for like a a pain-free birth or something because I just, I was like almost a little bit disappointed by that, which I've I've since come to terms to and sort of converted that into, um, you know, a story of like power and, and just acknowledging that that's what birth is and that that's part of the rites of passage. But, um, yeah, so I was shocked at the, still in shock at the pain and also my contractions didn't really stop after he was born and so I was like I had my baby in my arms and yeah like just so happy to meet him and and felt like quite in love straight away like I I almost felt like it was a being reunited with an old friend so that was really beautiful. But, yeah, the contractions were still going and I was like, what? Like, how come these aren't stopping? Like, oh. Yeah, I was quite stressed out that, the, like that I just didn't get a break sort of thing to just, like, enjoy my baby. But, um, yeah, my midwife sort of guided me to to sort of lie on the couch and um, the placenta was born very quickly and then I was just like, oh, like um, it's over like that. Yeah, but once the placenta was born, I was just so glad that that excruciating pain was over and that's when I could really start like, yeah, just soaking in the joy of my newborn and that incredible, like, birthing high, after birth high. Mm, yeah. And how was breastfeeding this time around? Was it still quite tricky to get started? Uh, no, it was It was so breezy, hey, like the everything, like the involved in that mother-baby dyad was just so smooth and um, 
and beautiful and pleasurable as well, like I, which I, I put down to both um, the fact that I, I'd done it before and I guess the first time breastfeeding it's almost like teething issues like or breaking in and also that initiation, whereas the second time around it was like, I I know what to do and I trusted myself and I was more confident about about him being like um I guess a healthy normal baby and yeah so um yeah everything between us was really smooth Mm, yeah and yeah, after the last kind of traumatic experience of postpartum, what sort of things had you done to set yourself up differently this time around? Well, I um, invested so much in my postpartum this time around. I was so much better informed. I read two books, um, The First 40 Days, which is more of a, like, cookbook, like, nutrition, but also sort of touches on the ceremonies and the rituals of, um, I guess, cultural traditions from around the world that are missing in Western culture. And, yeah, so I had that book and then also The Fourth Trimester by Kimberly Johnson, and um, which is so fantastic. Like, I just I want to give that to all um mothers to be especially first time mothers because i think it really prepares you on all levels like yeah emotional physical practical um and it talks a lot about the healing process so not just like resting but actually treating that like a healing phase and yeah so i read that and then i also read a book called the seven sisters which is um a guide to planning for a community-supported postpartum. So it talks about distributing roles to the, um, I guess it focuses on the women in the in your community, so having seven sisters to help you out um, on over seven days for six weeks. Um, so I was really inspired by that model and at my mother blessing I, like, got people to put their names down for the meal train, but also the more, I guess, committed people could sign up for one day a week um, for six weeks. So that was, like, huge, so different than what I had in the first time around. But also my midwife's care, postnatal care, is just, like, next level. Like, I think she's more like a postpartum doula where she'd come around and she'd just be there for, like, hours, for however long it took for her to be confident that I was, like, settled and comfortable. But, yeah, so she did body work and, um, like, womb moxa and, like, foot baths and she'd prepare my sits bath and she also helped prepare my um, placenta broth. I, I chose to have the like a medicinal broth with Chinese herbs because I actually lost quite a lot of blood um, when this placenta was birthed, like enough to sort of, I mean, if I was in hospital, I would have had like a blood transfusion 
but we were able to manage um, my recovery with the placenta broth and just focusing on um, like nutrient dense foods and herbal teas and teachers and that sort of thing. Mm, well, that just sounds absolutely amazing. And yeah, I'm particularly interested in that book. I've never heard of the book, The Seven Sisters One, but I'll have to check that out. And I'll put the links to all of those books in the show notes if anybody who's listening is um, yeah preparing for a birth. Um, they sound like amazing resources. So thank you for sharing those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to um, wrap things up from there because it's getting um, getting a little bit late. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It was such a pleasure to hear. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I Yeah, I just hope that um, I guess that, you know, women that are yet to go through these experiences are able to take away some of the hard-fought lessons. <laughs> yeah, it's just um, so important to tell our stories. Like I feel like I get more clarity or heal something within myself each time I tell my story too. So, mm. yeah, thank you so much for holding space for that. Mm, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode with Carla. You can find some more photos of her and her family on Instagram at keepbirthwild.podcast. And if you're listening in every week, I would love it if you could sign up as a patron supporter. 25% of all donations go towards a charity working to improve maternity outcomes for Indigenous women and babies. You can find links to my Patreon page and more information about the charity your donation supports in the show notes and on my website, keepbirthwild.com.au. And thank you and look forward to bringing you another story next week.